Well, we were going to continue our series on James last week. However, um, my wife had a baby right at church time. And so I was not able to be here to do that with you. Um, and uh, next week we're having a guest speaker who's also not going to speak on the book of James. And so I thought for me to speak two weeks ago on the book of James, to skip a week, to speak a week on the book of James, to skip another week, and then to start speaking again on the book of James would be kind of weird. And so I decided that I'll just uh, do something else this week, um, and uh, we'll pick up uh, in James chapter 1 again on the 10th of February. That'll be uh, our next installment of the book of James. Um, but uh, this morning I, I wanted to talk about something that was on my heart, uh, something that uh, I was reminded of this week. Uh, Obviously, this is a very joyful time in my life because uh, my wife had a baby on Sunday. Um, but I was struck by the news. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday when I looked and I found I found out that the state of New York um, has legalized abortions up until birth. Um, and and that you know may not have hit me as hard as it did if I hadn't been holding my little baby in my arms, who was only, you know, 38 and a half weeks <laughs> until, uh, or 38 and a half weeks old, really. And these abortions can happen up to 40 weeks. And I looked at my little baby and I thought, how could anybody do this? And I, I was struck for a moment with a sort of uh, pessimistic despair, thinking about what, what kind of world are my children going to grow up in? They're going to grow up in a world where, you know, you, I mean, you just look around at, at exactly how it is now, and it's already terrifying. We as Christians are becoming increasingly marginalized in our culture. Uh, our government no longer supports our freedom the way that they did, and they will continue to restrict our freedom. And we may deal with real, actual persecution. We may not, but it's very likely that our children will. Or your grandchildren will, if they hold to a Christian worldview. There's going to be a time when just saying basic biblical truth is going to get people thrown in prison. Or it's going to get us fined. I predict that probably sometime in the next 20 years, our church will lose its charitable status, that they will revoke that from us. Now, revoking our charitable status, big deal. But the principle of the thing is that they are going to restrict us. They are going to do everything they can to silence us. And as a, a pastor, I am on the front lines of those sorts of things. I am the one who's going to be standing up in a pulpit and saying uh, homosexuality is a sin. And I am going to be taken from my pulpit and I am going to be probably thrown in prison at some point for that. Or at least face fines and when I refuse to pay them, I will get thrown in prison. And that's the way our culture is headed. Now... Can God create a, a revival that totally changes the direction of the culture? He can. He might. 
But that's not a guarantee. It hasn't always happened that way. Uh, in ancient Rome, Christians faced a lot of persecution. And I'm sure that there were a lot of times when they were having babies and watching people that they know being killed in the arena and thinking, what kind of world are we bringing our children into? I think of the, the persecution that was uh, done under Bloody Mary. You've all heard of Bloody Mary, Queen Mary of, of England, the, uh, the daughter of Henry VIII. She killed a lot of Christians. She was Catholic. She killed a lot of Protestants. We're Protestants. They killed a lot of us. And I was thinking of one man who had seven children at home, and the eighth was born while he was in prison, and then he was burned at the stake for his faith. And these are the sorts of, you, you can go back through the courses of history and find these things happening. And eventually the culture changed, and eventually, you know, the next ruler came in, uh, Elizabeth II, or Elizabeth I, I should say, and, and she was a Protestant, and she changed everything, and there was no more persecution, and it was great. But again, you know, those things can happen, but they're not always guaranteed to happen in our lifetimes. And so, for me, I was sitting on my couch, and I, and I heard this news, and I was just absolutely blown away. And, and I mean, it's the state of New York, it's in, it's in the U.S., it's on the East Coast, it's kind of, it's pretty far removed from, from my current situation, but it's symptomatic of how our culture is progressing. It's just an example of where our culture is headed. Our government, our federal government, even our provincial government, they are not very far from those sorts of things themselves. Our prime minister has said that uh, people who are pro-choice are not in line with Canadian values, or people who are pro-life are not in line with Canadian values. That's what he said. That's us. If you're a Christian, you're pro-life. Because you believe that the unborn were created in the image of God and that it is not okay to suck them out of the womb. I appreciated what Larry sang today because it addressed that very issue. That when we're standing around the throne, we're going to see the babies that have been murdered in their mother's wombs. Standing around the throne because God is faithful. But it's still terrifying. For the here and now, it's a terrifying prospect. And I, I've, 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 I know I'm, I'm going on and on about this sort of thing. But these are the things that come into my head. And, and these are the things that, that Christians are going to have to face. But I want to issue a call to optimism. Don't be pessimistic about these things. I know I just quote, totally undercut everything I just said. But while I was sitting there hearing this news and holding my new child, I remembered the song. It's actually a Gaither song. Don't tell my wife I listen to the Gaithers. Um, she loves the Gaithers and I have to keep up a persona of, oh, I don't like the Gaithers. So... Um, <clears throat> I remembered that Gaither song, um, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he brings, but sweeter still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives. This child can face uncertain days because he lives. Not this child can face uncertain days because the government is on our side. This child can face uncertain days because 
there is legislation for life and, and they're not going to be killing babies anymore. This child can face uncertain days because, I don't know, pick, pick whatever you want. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is not what's going on around us. The point is that Jesus rose from the dead and victory is his. And so we should not be afraid for our children. We can maybe be cautious and we can maybe wonder, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. But the reality is we have certainty. We have absolute certainty that Jesus rose from the grave and that he's on his throne and that he's coming back. And it doesn't really matter what the legislators do. It doesn't matter what our prime minister says. He's not the king. It doesn't matter what the queen says. She's not the king. It doesn't matter what anybody says. They're not in charge. Not really. God, God has told us in his word that he has established governments for a purpose. When, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. That's probably where we're at right now. We have rejected God as a society. We have gone our own way. We have embraced sin. We have said that boys are girls and girls are boys. We have said that you can... Whatever. We have rejected God as a culture. And a culture that rejects God will reject God's people. And that's us. But it's happened before... And it'll happen again. And it might happen to us and it may not. In some ways it already is happening to us. But the reality is, they're not the king. They're not in charge. I think of that Martin Luther song, The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. That's from the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And so, we ought to be optimistic. We ought to be excited. Because I, I can't remember who, who, made, who made the quote, but they said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That there is particular blessing that God gives to suffering Christians in the midst of their persecution. Persecution specifically. God gives special strength, and God will often send his spirit in a very special way to show people the value of following God. That when people, unbelievers, see Christians giving up everything for Christ, that is something that they see as valuable. And oftentimes the most explosive growth of the church happens under persecution. Because it's actually worth something. And you actually have to sacrifice for it. You actually have to give something for it. If you were to come up to the church door next Sunday, and there was a man with an iPad taking down everybody's name to raise their taxes, would you come into the church? That's the sort of thing that we could face. Now, I think that that sort of thing would actually be very valuable because it would separate the people who are committed to the people against the people who are not. I have never faced a situation where I have faced real persecution. And neither have you. And somebody saying happy holidays is not the same as persecution. 
but maybe you will one day. Maybe in the not-so-distant future, you will. What are you going to do? Are you going to come into the church and face the consequences? Or are you going to go home and be comfortable? That's a question that we all have to, have to ask ourselves. But we always, always, always have to remember who is on the throne. It is not Justin Trudeau. It is our God. It is not Emperor Trump. It is our God. Our God is on the throne. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he has secured an eternal victory. And whatever happens to you in this life is nothing compared to what he has for you. As it says in Romans 8, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so I want to close my comments by saying be optimistic because God is on his throne. Whatever comes our way, we should be optimistic because God is on his throne. They can legislate whatever they want. God is still on his throne. They can attack us. They can take whatever they want from us. They can even take our lives and our freedom. But they will never, ever be able to take away our eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus. Because he's the king. Because he's in charge. So I'm going to close my comments by reading from Revelation. I'm going to read the last two chapters of the book of Revelation to remind you of the eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 21 is where I will start. And I will start in verse 1. Revelation 21. The last two chapters of the Bible. Because the Bible knows that we ought to be optimistic. The implicit command here in the end of, of Revelation is to be optimistic. Do not fear for your children. Do not fear because God is sovereign and God is on his throne. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Through the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire 
and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like jasper, as clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and on the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. He measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and the width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophet, the seventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates was made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me. But he said, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. 
bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.